Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Cody Tucker Show. As always, I'm your host, Cody Tucker. Uh, so, I know I am one day late on uploading the damn podcast. <clears throat> Fucking sorry. So, went on a little mini vacation. Uh, little day, well, day and night trip to uh, the big city of Grapevine, Texas. Which, okay, little bit of a backtrack, which actually I think I've made this, you know, pretty clear in uh, episodes past. I fucking love Christmas. Christmas is like, well, my God, it is the most wonderful time of the year. But, you know, to you know, sans cliche, it is without a doubt my favorite time of the year. Like this, the month of December, granted my birthday, which a couple days ago. Just turned 30. Oh, boy. <laughs> it is already going downhill, I'll say. Um, but, yes, just turned 30. Thank you to everyone for the uh, birthday wishes. Um, a surprisingly small amount of dick pics ended up in my uh, inbox, which, you know, I don't know if I should take that as a present or as a uh, as a slight, but, you know is what it is uh, <laughs> so that's a I'm joking by the way but anyways love Christmas love you know I mean I usually don't get two shits about my birthday but turn 30 you know pretty big deal didn't really do shit to celebrate I, mean, I guess this was in some ways like a self-celebration to me um, went to the uh, grapevine Texas which is if you don't know Texas uh, or the Christmas capital of Texas and maybe even the U.S. Honestly, like the fucking way they go all out for Christmas is fucking is bananas. So go and stay at this hotel right here. The hotel is called here. This is it right here. So this hotel is called the Gaylord. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know. They probably should think about doing a rebranding because, boy, was it hard not to do a little snickering uh, every time that I mentioned that. Which actually says m way more about me than it does about, you know, the people running the hotel. It really just says that I'm a goddamn 10-year-old. Uh, which, you know, oh well, is what it is. Uh, so go stay at this hotel. Now, if you can't tell by looking at this, uh, it ain't a... Uh, it ain't a holiday inn, <laughs> which is what I normally am accustomed to. Now, I, actually, I will say for as much white trash as I am, which is, I mean, if you had to put it into like a percentage, I would say maybe about a 60. Yeah, probably about a 60% white trash. Maybe sometimes up to 70. Depends on if, um, depends if I've been like on a, uh, you know, attitude era wrestling kick or not when that happens, which is a couple times a year, uh, white trash level skyrockets. Uh, but I would say I'm typically running at about a 60% white trash. Now, what kind of separates me from getting into that, you know, baseline 70 to 80% is that when I go out of town, I do not cheap out on hotels. I love stay. So I growing up hated staying the night at other people's houses. 
fucking hated it. I liked going over to other people's houses just because, like, they usually had way better food than I did. Um, and, you know, so that was kind of fun, a little change change of scenery. But I hated sleeping in other people's houses. Still to this day, I mean, I have, again, not proud of this in any way. The reason that I used to <laughs> drink and drive all the time is because even being hammered out of my mind did not like you know passing out in someone else's house have to sleep in my own bed have to do it cannot fucking handle sleeping in someone else's house uh i don't know what it is i i mean well actually i do know what it is i'm a fucking kind of a bit of a clean freak a little obsessive compulsive in some ways um i don't know how clean your shit is and even in a state of damn near blackout I will (laughs) be aware of that. So, yeah. Now, there have been times where, I mean, I really tore into some four locos that were chased down with uh, (laughs) Jack Daniels. Hell of a combination. Uh, And ended up sleeping in a bathtub. That has happened multiple times. But I, I do not remember getting into said bathtub uh, and had, you know, i been aware of what was going on, would have driven home. Which is, again, in no way condoning that behavior. I feel like a scumbag anytime I think about it. Which is why I think about it all the time, because I like to self-flagellate. Uh, or is flagellation already meaning self? Hmm. Whatever. Boy, am I already going off the rails. <laughs> I am... About six minutes into this and do not know where I'm at. So, reverse and rewind. Um, don't want to sleep in other people's houses. Have to sleep in my bed, own bed, except hotels. Now, I don't know if this is common or if this is how most people feel. I think pretty good majority or pretty good amount of people probably feel this way. I love sleeping in hotels. Love it. It is the best sleep I ever have in my life is sleeping in a hotel. Now, I know that I am sleeping on a <laughs> about a four-layer catch rag. Uh, anytime you're sleeping on hotel sheets, the amount of semen that has touched those sheets. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. Um, I know. But they are using some sort of goddamn wonder detergent, whatever the hell it is on those sheets, that is just, I mean, there ain't a crinkle, I mean, there there is not a crisp anywhere in those sheets. Um, how they do it, I do not know, but I know it's there. Yet, I, I don't care. I'll sleep in all of the, the jizz if I have to. The... Sheets feel amazing. The bed feels amazing. It's way colder than it ever is in any other house I've ever been to. My own included. Just sleep a million times better in a hotel than I do at home. Especially anybody else's shithole house. So, like this is going to, I was, you know, this is going to be a little treat to me. So I go stay at this place. Again, the Gaylord Hotel in Grapevine, Texas. Now, this for the night, which granted, going on a Sunday night. Sunday nights are usually always cheaper at hotels. 
Still about $400 for the night, which, you know, pretty ex- that's decently expensive. I'm not, ne- I mean, I would joke around and say, like, Holiday Inn type person. Holiday Inns are usually below my standards. And some Holiday Inns are actually decently nice, still below my standards. I am much more of a, you know, a ritzy bitch uh, when it comes to hotels. Can't help it. Just always have been. I will, you know, damn near bankrupt myself to make sure that I'm staying in a nice hotel. Whatever. This one. (laughs) So, I don't know why I'm going to go on about a rant on this. This hotel is insane. If you are ever, if you are a fan of Christmas or within the greater Dallas-Fort Worth area, oh my God, this hotel right here is amazing. Now, I will say, you may have to take out a bank loan if you plan on eating or drinking anything in this goddamn hotel. Now, here's what the inside looks like, because I did take a few pictures. So, like, I mean, there's just a a giant goddamn Christmas tree in the middle of this thing. This is all enclosed indoors, like, fucking incredible. Never heard of this place in my life. Um, But as a, you know, you know, a little, uh, as a, you know, the little Christmas twink that I am, I love Christmas shit. Love it. So, as soon as I see that this thing exists, holy shit, yeah, book me. Give me two. Um, now it is hard for me not to go to places like this and just not see the money grab that is (laughs) all this shit. So like I was walking by there, I mean, there's a goddamn river walk inside of this hotel in that river walk or on that river walk. They do a cantina breakfast, like a little breakfast brunch buffet. It is a hundred dollars a person. $45 $45 for kids. Now, unless... <laughs> I mean, unless they are serving goddamn bald eagle steaks, what in the fuck in a breakfast buffet could cost a hundred... could make it be worth a hundred dollars? You... I mean... Like, unless you get to kill someone, like, during your... Bre- like, in Harry Potter... Deathly Hollows, ooh boy, it's either one or two. It kind of opens with a scene with Voldemort and everybody, all the Death Eaters sitting at the table, and the woman, uh, what was her name, Babbage, whatever her name is, floating across the table, and you know, at the end, the snake comes up, uh, Nagini, kill, and then whoosh, kills her ass. Meanwhile, Snape is looking at her, you know, and she's like crying. All that stuff. Unless that happens. There's no way that this shit is worth $100 for a person. Um, I mean, there's, like, how? How? Unless at the end you get to, like, smash, like, ancient Roman vases. <laughs> like, they're, they just bring out, like, dinosaur, like, actual dinosaurs, and you get to just fucking gut their asses. How could this be worth $100? Insane. I like I went to McDonald's that night instead of this bullshit little cantina breakfast thing. Went to McDonald's perfectly happy and I spent about nine bucks. <laughs> I don't understand how 
shit can be that expensive in ho- like why it's so expensive in hotels because it's not just like this fucking gaylord i mean holiday inn breakfasts are pretty fucking expensive for what they are but a hundred dollars a person so if you had a family of four you know a husband husband wife or husband husband wife wife uh you know all inclusive uh, inclusivity here on the old cody tucker show so if you had you know just you and a spouse two kids uh, that would have been $300 for you to have breakfast. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? It doesn't make any sense. Like, unless... Like, unless they wheeled out... Like, unless, like, the Beatles were performing at your breakfast. And I mean, like, the two dead ones as well. Like, unless that was happening, how in the fuck could a breakfast be worth $100? I will go to McDonald's and get a goddamn McGriddle and a couple of hash browns and be just fine. Holy shit. But, I mean, the whole goddamn hotel is like that. Like, every place you go into, you see, like, people eating fucking chicken tenders and french fries, and it's probably $400 goddamn dollars for it. Um, but, you know, those gripes being, you know, pushed to the side... Amazing. Fucking amazing. And I have never been more in the Christmas spirit in my entire life. So, boy, I'm starting out. Uh, I mean, this is not great. This this episode is already turning into complete shit. And we are bare, not even 15 minutes in. Holy shit. I'm sorry. But it is what it is. I mean, you're watching, so I don't know if that says more about you or says more about me. But... All right, so let's just move on. I believe, um, I think this is what, yes, perfect. <laughs> so the worst movie trailer in movie history was just released. And it is for a movie that I did not know was even being made, which it feels like this is a movie that we should know exists. Apparently, there is a movie coming out about Bob Marley, which I have been wondering for I mean, I I for sure have been questioning why hasn't there been a Bob Marley biopic? Biopic, boy, I do not know which one it is. Biopic or biopic? Biopic sounds right, but biopic sounds more, you know, kind of highfalutin. So maybe I'll go with biopic. We'll say biopic. So I have always wondered why there has not been a movie made about Bob Marley. Bob Marley, arguably one of the most recognizable musicians ever like you can't go to a college campus without seeing a (laughs) a white kid (laughs) uh who smoked weed for the first time wearing a bob marley shirt like it is i mean he is like i mean he's almost like the damn like he's like the ronald mcdonald of music horrible comparison i know but you know true nonetheless Bob Marley, like, how have they never made a movie about Bob Marley? And then, see this, I'm like, holy shit, they are making a movie about Bob Marley. And it, like, is already done. And never heard that this was happening. So that already, huge red flag. I'm like, oh, this has got to be bad. So, see the poster, I'm like, okay. Like, it looks like, you know, obviously it's going to be called One Love. Um, Then... (laughs) I'm like, how is this not getting like 
way more attention. A movie being made about arguably one of the most famous musicians of all time. Like, how is this movie not getting a massive amount of attention? Um, Like, the same way, you know, like, Ray, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, like, other massive biopics. And I would argue Bob Marley, way more famous than Ray Charles. And actually, probably even more recognizable than Freddie Mercury. I'm not saying, like, more talented, less talented, music better or worse. I'm just saying, like, if you showed the average person, if you walked into a mall and polled 100 people, showed them a picture of Bob Marley, picture of Freddie Mercury, had them guess, you know, like, tell me who this person is, and you show a picture of Freddie Mercury, I would say probably 50%. And I'm talking about you just were 100, 100 random people. I would say probably 50% would be like, oh, that's Freddie Mercury. If you showed them a picture of Bob Marley, it's got to be close to 90% of people would recognize a picture of Bob Marley. Um, so, recognizable face. Which means you probably are going to want to cast somebody who looks like Bob Marley. <laughs> because so many people have just seen his face. Even if you've never really like gave too much of a shit about his music, which I actually happen to like his music. Um, and I'm not, you know, I mean, I am white, uh, but I'm not white trying to grow out in disgusting dreadlocks, uh, (laughs) and, you know, smoking ganja all the time. Actually, smoke ganja never, really. Um, yet, you know, still a huge fan of Bob Marley. Bob Marley's music, his message, uh, political activism, very, Bob Marley had a very interesting life. But, uh, but again... You can't go into a Spencer's Gifts <laughs> anywhere in this country and not see about 400 to 500 items with Bob Marley's face plastered on them. This is who's playing Bob Marley. <laughs> and let me just say, hold on, here's the face again. So this is going to be Bob Marley. And let me just say, there is no chance. I mean, how in the fuck is that who you pick? Out of all these years waiting to make a movie about Bob Marley. And I'm not saying I have a necessarily a better option. Like, I don't know who would play Bob Marley. Like, I can't really think of an actor who looks like Bob Marley. But this motherfucker does not look like him. <laughs> I mean... They would have had a... It doesn't make sense. Like, how in the fuck is that Bob Marley? Now, granted, yeah, he is African-American, I guess. Uh, I mean, the American part, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Granted, he's he has dreadlocks. They gave him dreadlocks. So, <laughs> you know, I guess it could be worse. But, I mean, this dude... Also, when you watch the trailer, I mean, this guy might, this guy damn near looks like he's like 6'5". I mean, he looks like he plays tight end for the fucking Baltimore Ravens. Like, there is, I mean, Bob Marley was a tiny little bastard. Very, like, pretty skinny, and I think, you know, decently short. How fucking tall was Bob Marley? Let me see. Because this just doesn't make any sense. Like, I mean, if I had to guess, like, if I'm just straight guessing 
I would say Bob Marley probably about. All right, before I look it up, Bob Marley. I'm gonna say five eight. Oh goddamn it! How tall was Bob Marley? Five seven. Boy, I'm fucking good at this. All right, yeah, Bob Marley is. <laughs> oh god! So Bob Mar- So this Bob Marley is supposed to be five foot seven. When you watch it, I mean, there's just no way. There's no way that this dude is even close to that. Which I, you know, I'm not saying Rami Malek necessarily looked a whole lot like. Freddie Mercury, I mean, I guess sort of, but no. I mean, like Val Kilmer's Jim Morrison, Jamie Foxx's Ray Charles. That's Those two are like the pinnacle of looking and sounding exactly like the person that they are. And I don't know if you're touching either one of those two um, as far as looks and sounds. Now, Joaquin Phoenix's Johnny Cash, to me, is probably my favorite performance in that little genre. Um I mean, I'm not saying that Walking Phoenix looks identical to Johnny Cash, because he doesn't. And he sounds pretty fucking decent. I mean, I always have respect for people who are actually doing the singing in these movies. Because the main reason why I hated Bohemian Rhapsody is because Rami Malek is lip-syncing. And I know, I mean, Freddie Mercury's voice is probably not easy to mimic. But you don't really have to mimic it. I mean, you watch Rocket Man with, uh... Is it Taron Edgerton? I think that's his name. Plays, um... Yeah, I think that's it. Who plays Elton John. And he looks, you know, decently like him. And sounds kind of like him. Like, he has some of the cadences kind of the same. Like, you know, there's similarities of voice. But he doesn't sound identical to Elton John. Still an amazing performance. Um, this is clearly being lip-synced. Because the Jamaican accent. Now, I don't know anything about this dude. I don't know if he is Jamaican. Which, who knows? He very well may be. To me, all Jamaican accents, whether they are real or not, sound fake. (laughs) Even people who are Jamaican sound like they are doing a horrible Jamaican accent. I don't know. Maybe it's because movies and TV have just completely ruined that for me. But this dude sounds way more like the damn Cinnamon (laughs) than he does Bob Marley. And I... I mean, I could not watch it without thinking, okay, like, when is it going to start? Because sometimes trailers will get me, and it'll be like, holy shit, this movie's coming out. They're doing a sequel to this, blah, blah, blah. Watch the trailer, and then, you know, a couple seconds in, you're like, god damn, it's fake. It's not, this is a fake trailer. Some of them are, like, very obvious. Some of them, man, they will get you. Like, the poster will look good. Like, sometimes they'll get you. And this one, like, I think it is real. I mean, unless I'm wrong, which I have not done, you know, a whole lot of research. I guess I could have just looked on IMDb and found out whether this is real or not. Um, so, boy, this is going to be a huge waste of the <laughs> of like 10 minutes if uh, this is not real. Let me see if this is actually real, because if it isn't, then, yeah, I'm going to feel like a real fucking dumbass. Um, let's just see, because... That's, yeah, that would actually, that would really suck. Hold on. Let's, let's see if One Love is an actual movie. God, if I, if I got got by this, I am going to be so, nope, did it. (laughs) Okay, it's real. 
I don't know if I should be more happy about this or more sad. Because, <laughs> oh boy. So the guy's name is Kingsley Benadir. Boy, that sounds that sounds kind of Jamaican. Um, God, I mean, just looking at this. I mean, how could you not have found... I mean, there's is there just no one in the world that looks? Yeah, I mean, I've never seen this guy in anything. Like, is there? I mean, that's the guy. That's the guy that, out of all people in the like, out of all actors, goddamn, doesn't it just doesn't make any sense like this is going to be the worst fucking movie ever made <laughs> it's like his accent is horrible it's obviously lip syncing like it's not even anywhere close uh, i mean they would have they would have been better off having al pacino <laughs> play bob marley it is like it just doesn't make sense to me fucking oh my god like Hell, make Timothy Chalamet. Make that, you know, that little bastard could play Bob Marley better than this. Oh, my God. Anyways, move. I need to just move on from this. Because uh, I'm going to have a fucking aneurysm. Alright, so next. Oh, this is great. <laughs> okay, so according to an interview with, um, you know, the people's father... Uh, Nick Cannon allegedly spends $200,000 a year at Disneyland. Uh, and then his, you know, yeah. So Nick Cannon spends $200,000 a year at Disneyland. I'm going to repeat that one more time. Because either like, I mean, it just doesn't, goddamn. So... For the last time, Nick Cannon spends $200,000 a year at Disneyland. That is insane. And that's not even Disney World, which everyone knows Disneyland is the much, much shittier version of Disney World. It is the Liam Hemsworth of amusement parks. The Maggie Gyllenhaal of amusement parks. Uh... Who else? The Jeremy Giambi of amusement parks. There's like Disneyland is dog shit compared to Disney World. Uh, it's actually probably the only thing about Florida that is better than California. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Actually, I mean, you could go to both places and just do what apparently do whatever the hell you want nowadays. Um but yeah, so Nick Cannon spends $200,000 a year at Disney World. Alright, sorry, I said it again. Which, actually, is probably pretty realistic whenever you look up the prices of Disneyland. Which I said Disney World. I mean, and you look up the prices for Disneyland. And then you factor in the fact that he has, um, I think, as of, you know, what time is it right now? As of 11.15 <laughs> this morning, has like 450 kids, I think. By the time you factor all that in, yeah, probably does spend $200,000 a year at Disneyland. (laughs) 
I mean, that is so much money to spend at an amusement park. And, I mean, I know Disneyland's prices have gone up like a motherfucker since, uh, you know, the C word happened. Uh, But, yeah. Jesus Christ. Now, unless you're getting to... Like, unless you're getting to do an Eiffel Tower on Minnie Mouse, like, <laughs> like unless you and Goofy get to Eiffel Tower Minnie Mouse while Mickey sits in the corner and watches, boy, there ain't no reason you should be spending $200,000 a year at Disneyland. Gorsh. That doesn't, I mean, it, it does not compute. Oh, my God. That is so much fucking money. Like, you should be able to just walk into a room and just beat the shit out of, you know. You should be able to just go in there and beat the shit out of Donald Duck with a baseball bat for <laughs> for 200000 <laughs> I mean, like, it should be, like, hostile. Like, the, I, like, I don't know if they have the same Cinderella's Castle in Disneyland as they do in Disney World. I'm sure they do. Um, like... Like, you should be able to go into that Cinderella's castle and it be hostile. <laughs> like, you, you should be able to fucking, you know, slice Donald, slice, uh, slice Donald Duck's Achilles, you know, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is amazing. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, you get to go in there and just, like, strap a fucking car battery to Donald Duck's nuts. Just crank that shit. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, that's something, all right? That is something. My God. I mean, more power to you, you know. I mean, think of all the money he's been saving on condoms, I guess. uh, (laughs) Condoms and plan B pills. I guess he can afford it. All right. Moving on. Oh, this dumb piece of shit. So, Felicity Huffman talks college admission scandal for the first time. Her quote, I had to break the law. What a fucking idiot. I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but it felt like I would be a bad mother if I didn't do it. So I did it. <laughs> Let me tell you. Okay. So not breaking the law and pretending like your daughter is like captain of a row team to get into USC isn't being a bad mother. Casey Anthony's a bad mother. <laughs> um, what's that woman? Sue Smith. Susan Smith. That's a bad mother. Um, you know, letting your daughter go to community college for a year before transferring out to a university, that ain't being a bad mother. (laughs) I had to break the law. What a moron. And look, I know, you know, I mean, granted, I went to a community college, transferred out to a university, and boy, did it do absolutely nothing for me. Because here I am talking to damn near no one. Um, which is fine. This is, you know, in some ways therapeutic for me. But I'm just saying, like, 
it just doesn't make sense. Like, now granted, you know, Aunt Becky kind of fucked up too on this one. <laughs> but she kind of played it, she played it off. She was like, <laughs> she was like, I'm not going to jail. Like, basically telling everyone, like, I will not get in trouble for this. I am fucking famous. And she was kind of right. <laughs> like, Felicity Oven's the only one who was, you know, uh, you know, got sent to the yard. Which, you know, more power to her, I guess. Uh, I mean, if shit, if I was married to fucking Bill Macy, I'd do anything I could to get sent to fucking prison, too. Uh, which, I don't know why I said that. William H. Macy's probably a very nice person. There's just something about him. Like, there's certain people who are, like, you know, actors that, like, that's who should have played Bob Marley. <laughs> William H. Macy would have been a better Bob Marley than this this son of a bitch that played him. Let me just go back to this. Where is it? Where is it? This one? Yeah. Yeah. Put William H. Macy in Dreadlocks, and I'd rather see that Bob Marley movie. All right. Sorry. We're going off the rails again. So we did this. All right, I think there's one more. And then we'll fucking move on, because, boy, this is just, it's getting bad, bad, bad. All right. <laughs> so according to a poll, uh, <laughs> which I believe is done by CNN, almost half of men surveyed think they could land a passenger plane. Experts disagree. Let me tell you who does not disagree. This son of a bitch right here. I have been saying this. I've never felt more vindicated in being part of the masses than I do right now. I have been saying this. Ever since that son of a bitch, Captain Sully, landed that plane. He didn't do anything. Those planes land themselves. If Now, think of the movie Airplane. When, um... Oh, boy, what is his name? The actor? Robert Hayes, I think. When old Hayes, you know, gets put up there to land that plane. I mean, that would have been way harder. But also, as long as you have somebody talking you through, like, what buttons to press, you can land a plane. They land themselves. Every All those passenger planes are, like, they're basically drones. 9-11. Um, <laughs> yeah, as, as George W. Bush and Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice know all too well, um, passenger planes are basically drones. Where... The pilots are kind of just making sure that things don't go to shit. And because you kind of need, you know, you know, you need somebody to make the judgment call when somebody starts getting a little too drunk and starts losing their shit thinking that they're seeing aliens. Um, that motherfucker is not real. <laughs> oh, I love that. God damn. Um, you know, you don't have to, you could be. You can land a plane. And the other... So, it said the majority, right? Isn't that what that said? Almost half. Almost half. So, it wasn't half. So, I'm not in the majority. Jesus. Well, let me just say this. So, let's say if it's almost half. Let's just say the highest it could be 49%. The other 51% who say, like, there's no way that I could land a passenger plane, you don't believe in yourself. <laughs> you need... To work on your self-esteem. Because you can. You most definitely can land a passenger plane. Think of the 
dumb mother. Like, I know someone personally who has become a pilot, and he might be one of the dumbest motherfuckers I've ever met in my entire life. And he, every day, <laughs> is in charge of the lives of over, what, 100 and how many people are on a plane? 180, 200 people? Every day, he is responsible for their lives. The only way in this world that that would be allowed is if he can't really fuck up. Because I worked with, the, this is a person that I used to work with at a job that I will, you know, whatever. Because I'm trying not to, like, <laughs> narrow this motherfucker down too much. But I used to work with him. And he might have been one of the most incompetent people I've ever met in my entire life. And this is somebody who was, well, no, that old was let go from said job uh, <laughs> because of my own um, mental incompetence. Now, um, different levels of incompetence, but incompetence nonetheless. This son of a bitch has no business being up in the air <laughs> for any reason. Unless he was strapped to about 400 balloons, there's no reason this son of a bitch should be uh, high up in the air doing anything. Yet he is. And yeah. That can only happen, that can only be allowed in, uh, you know, modern America if those planes are not being controlled by the people flying them. And I'm not saying that you couldn't, if you wanted to, just yank that <laughs> the handles down and send that plane, you know, plunging into the earth. Um, I'm not saying you couldn't. You could, you know, have a bad day, find out, you know, find out your old lady's been, you know, banging the neighbor um, and go, you know what? I'm done with life. And uh, I don't know about those other 180 people behind me, but they're done too. <laughs> and you can just yank that son of a bitch down <laughs> and go out, uh, you know, in a blaze of glory, a la uh, John Bon Jovi. So, yeah, I'm not saying that, like, you're just sitting there like this um, watching, you know, the controls go, but you, you kind of are. I mean, you 100% could fall asleep and probably take off and land smoothly while being unconscious. Like, it just, and I'm not saying like, like, yeah, yeah, you know, you probably have to have like some sort of, like, you need to have at least seen like Snoopy fly his little doghouse just to know like you know that you know up down up down and and kind of know that <laughs> you know <laughs> to know like the directions that the shit goes but like all those buttons in there you don't gotta know anything about those like i mean there was a kid man i forgot about this oh my god what was that kid's name? I mean, he's not a kid, he's like a teenager. So whenever I was like in junior high, maybe early, early high school, there was a kid that they wrote about on like Rolling Stone. Um, you know, whenever I used to read Rolling Stone and was a fucking lib bastard. No. <laughs> like whenever I used, so I used to read Rolling Stone all the time until they put the goddamn Boston Bomber on the cover. Like, hey, Jesus. Which that article was actually fascinating too. Um, but, you know, regardless, there was a kid that I remember them doing like actually quite a few news articles about, but one like a huge, you know, expose in Rolling Stone. And he was a guy, I think his name was like Colt something. 
that sounds right. And he used to like, he got well known as being like basically like an outlaw, like a modern day, like bandit outlaw who would just like, he was on the run and had just been stealing planes, like, you know, little single engine, like Cessnas and shit and flying them and like crash landed a bunch of them. Like, and he was like on the run for a long time. And I think he might've got caught. Like, I think when the articles were written, he was still, like, on the run. And he became, like, there was, like, you know, MySpace pages and Facebook pages, like, dedicated to, like, supporting this guy. I think he might have been, like, 16 or 17. But he was able to do that. And, you know, I'd feel way more comfortable landing a, you know, like a United Airlines plane. You know, like a big ass, like a was it seven forty seven? I'd feel way more comfortable landing one of those than like a little goddamn Cessna. Um, like the other big ones seem like they're you know they can they do that shit on their own. The other little Cessnas, yeah, you probably got to be pretty damn you know you gotta be pretty damn skilled to be able to you know handle one of those little bastards. But he like literally, if I'm remembering right, was just reading the the manual like the actual like the owner's manual (laughs) like would break into like the little hangar read the owner's manual and be like all right i think i got it and then take off and fly the plane and yeah if he could do that i surely and yeah i'm not saying i'm some genius because boy i think i've made it abundantly clear that i'm not um but i could i could figure it out like i could figure out the landing like taking off, I don't know how the fuck taking off works. I don't know if, like, you have to be, you know, I don't know if the pilot's really taking off or not. They may, may be. All I know is that Captain Sully didn't deserve any of that fucking credit because he didn't do shit. Um, that plane landed itself, and so does every other goddamn plane. Uh, you know, so so could I. And, like, I don't even know how to drive a goddamn manual transmission like i have no idea how to fucking shift gears <laughs> i think you go up down left right something like that maybe <laughs> i don't know how the clutch pattern works uh none of that like like if you put me in like a manual like a manual transmission vehicle i'm probably like i'm probably launching the transmission out of the bottom of that car at 90 miles an hour just I will probably send it 40 feet into the earth. Um, If that's even where it is. I don't know where the transmission is. I don't know if it'd go up or down because I don't know shit about it. But I know that I could land a goddamn plane. Um, Especially get a couple of fucking whiskeys in me. Alright, so I think that'll do it for the old uh, news of the day. And uh, let's do a little um, couple history lessons and just wrap this some bitch up. All right. So time for a little uh where that come. All right. So now time for a little bit of the old where that come from. Take a uh common word or phrase that we know today, figure out where the hell did that come from? Why do we say the things we say? Uh what does it mean? All that good stuff. So this one it's going to actually be a couple uh but it's all centered around the history of alcohol which if you don't know for thousands of years alcohol has been a key like alcohol has played a massive role in civilization for thousands of years so not just 
in modern times, but going all the way back thousands and thousands of years. Uh, almost every civilization over time has placed a pretty high level of importance on the consumption of alcohol, the creation and consumption of alcoholic beverages. Um, I mean, there are like beer recipes that are that you can, that they have found. It's like archaeologists will find you know beer recipes that are thousands of years old, like Egyptian and Roman and Greek uh, beer recipes um, and recipes for other alcohols. And then you go into like the Middle Ages. Uh, into like the Renaissance and, you know, up actually up until decently recent history, um, it was more widely consumed than water. Like beer was way safer to drink than water. I mean, water carried all sorts of fucking diseases that if the water wasn't, you know, boiled and drank first, like there was a very good chance that drinking water was contaminated. So it would be safer to just drink beer. So, yeah, like, for pretty much since the beginning of human civilization, everybody's been hammered drunk, which if you do even just a decent amount of, uh, you know, looking back into history, if you just study history even for a little bit, you will find out that, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because <laughs> there have been some real, there have been some moments in history where you're like, only two drunk people arguing would lead to this happening. And, well, you'd kind of be right. So, you know, with alcohol being a safe beverage to drink, safer than water in the majority of cases, obviously people in different parts of the world, different times of human existence, would refer to alcohol with a certain level of, you know, importance. Um, so, for example... In uh, ancient Rome, which, if you do a little bit of study of <laughs> ancient Rome, boy, were they a bunch of fucking booze bags. Uh, a lot of drinking going on in ancient Rome. A lot of, I mean, just a lot of wild shit in general happening in ancient Rome. And, you know, hard not to think that a lot of that <laughs> came from everybody just being hammered out of their goddamn minds. Well, the ancient Romans called alcohol aqua vitae, which think of, you know, I'm going to be pronouncing a lot of these things wrong and sue me. I've been pronouncing shit wrong on here a lot. And boy, am I just getting tore up about, about my mispronunciations. I was educated in a public school system in fucking deep East Texas where half the half of the fucking teachers I had could barely read. The fact that I can even put together a sentence is a modern miracle. So get off my back. All right. <laughs> so ancient Rome, they referred to alcohol, uh, alcohol as aqua vitae. Aqua vitae literally translates to the water of life. So yeah, ancient Rome uh, saw alcohol being pretty important. Now, uh, let's go to a little different part of the world the uh, kind of Irish uh, area. So we're going into real ancient, ancient Ireland and looking at the Gaelics. So the Gaelics, they referred to alcohol as, now I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong. Oh, well. The spelling is U-I-S-G-E. And I believe it is pronounced Wisga. They pronounce, they referred to, so, bleh. 
The Gaelics referred to alcohol as Wisga Bitha. I think I'm saying that right. Wisga Bitha, I think is right. Um, which also translates to water of life. So in Latin, aquavitae. Uh, in Gaelic, Wisga Bitha. Wisga Bitha ends up getting shortened and uh, like over time gets you know, anglicized and becomes whiskey. So it goes from Wisgabitha to Wisga to whiskey. So over time, Wisgabitha, Wisga, whiskey. Yeah, so that's where the word whiskey comes from. It literally comes from the Gaelic uh, term for alcohol, which from Gaelic to English translates to water of life. Um, now go to a different part of the world, probably same, around the same time period, but a long, long time ago, different part of the world, and we go to um, the more like Slavic area of the world, which this is, you know, like basically every country that was in the USSR, <laughs> every country that was in the Soviet Union, we're looking at like that area. Um, so the, in the Slavic region, they refer to alcohol as uh, voda, which voda means life water or water of life or little water. There's like, you can find both translations. Um, but there are people who say that like voda also translates to life water. So little water or life water, um, voda. And then it's pretty obvious that voda over time became vodka. So that's where vodka comes from. Life water, little water, whichever you know, translation you want to go with. That's the Slavic version. Gaelic is Wisgabitha, Wisga, whiskey, um, all of which come from, you know, the Latin aquavitae, water of life. So, yeah, there you go. Alcohol, real important. So, yeah, time to move on to a couple of uh, half ass histories, and we will be. All right, so time for a little bit of the old half-ass history. We'll take a uh, a story that you may not know uh, from, you know, either pop culture, history. Uh, take a look at a story that you don't know but involves somebody you do know. So you can go tell your friends. Now, granted, these are very loosely researched. <laughs> uh, but I'm pretty sure that they're all true to some level. I mean, how does one really know the truth? Uh, so, for this story, for the first story of the day, we're going back to 2009. So, not too long ago. Uh, was it 14 years ago? Going back to 2009 in a city in Spain called Marbella. So, in Marbella, Spain in 2009, there's a woman in her uh, villa minding her own business while three masked burglars break into her home. When they break into her home, they find her in the home, you know, they find her, tie her up, and hold her at gunpoint, demand all of her money and jewelry. Say, like, where is it? We need to find it, and, you know, basically, we're taking all of your shit, lady. So she, being tied up, held at gunpoint, telling them, you know, where everything is. So they find all the money, all the cash, all the jewelry, and, you know, it's a pretty, pretty nice villa. So they're expecting there to be quite a bit of stuff, and there is. So they round up all the stuff in the house, all the jewelry, all the money. Meanwhile, the woman is tied up. Then, 
as they are about to leave with all of the stuff that they found in the house, one of the three burglars looks over and sees a family picture. Now, when he sees a family picture, he stops what he's doing, gestures over to the other two burglars, and is like, hey, y'all need to come look at this. Well, they do, and then they go, oh, shit, drop all the things that they had round up and get the hell out of the house. Leave the woman tied up, drop everything, and they just flee. For some reason, (laughs) they just get the hell out of this house. Now, you may be wondering, why would three burglars who have the woman tied up, have all the stuff already round up and ready to go, why would they just drop everything and leave? Well, the woman who was being held at gunpoint and tied up is a woman by the name of Annette Kweiberg. So, Annette Kweiberg uh, is you know, or was a fashion designer. Annette Kweiberg, living in uh, you know their home in Marbella, in Marbella Spain. Um, the three men have looked over to the family picture, and they see the woman who they've tied up, Annette Weiberg, standing next to her husband. Her husband <laughs> is Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, Ivan Drago. So these three guys see the woman who they have just tied up on the ground, held at gunpoint, round up all her money and jewelry, and uh, yeah, see that she's married to Ivan goddamn Drago. And they drop everything and get the hell out of the house. <laughs> yeah. So Dolph Lundgren was able to stop a bird. Meanwhile, so actually, side note, Dolph Lundgren wasn't at the home or even anywhere near the home. He was thousands of miles away at the time. So Dolph Lundgren is such a badass that he was able to stop a burglary 2,000 miles away from the home that was being burglared. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) So there's the first one. Um, It's time to move on to the second one. Uh, Here. All right, so time for the second one. Uh, This is going to be, this is a good one. So this one involves a person you probably never heard of, but definitely should. So the person that we're talking about um, is a woman by the name of Judith Love Cohen. So Judith Love Cohen uh, again, a name probably don't know, but should. Judith Love Cohen is a pioneer female engineer. Uh, she becomes one of the first women to work for NASA after she graduates from USC in 1962. So she graduates from USC in 1962 and begins to work at NASA. When she's working at NASA, Judith Love Cohen helps develop the abort guidance system. So the abort guidance system becomes very important a few years later. So in 1969, we have the Apollo 11 goes to the moon. Everybody comes back safely. Well, 1970, we have the Apollo 13. The, so in 1970, we have the Apollo 13 mission. That one, not quite as successful. So the Apollo 13 mission, obviously, they're trying to go to the moon as well. Well, there is a major malfunction aboard the Apollo 13. And the astronauts aboard the Apollo 13 are forced to use Judith Love Cohen's abort guidance system so that they can attempt to come back to Earth safely. And they do. So, had it not been for Judith Love Cohen, 
there is a very good chance that the Apollo 13 astronauts would not have returned safely, that it would have been a devastating uh, failure for NASA and, you know, obviously the astronauts aboard would not have made it. So Judith Love Cohen basically, you know, is partly responsible for saving the lives of the Apollo 13 astronauts. Well, go back a little bit, August 28th, 1969. So the year before the Apollo 13 mission, Judith Love Cohen is pregnant. And on August 28th, 1969, Judith Love Cohen went to work at NASA. When she's at work, she goes into labor and obviously has to leave and go to the hospital. Now, while she was at work, Judith Love Cohen is working on this schematic problem that she's, you know, been having a lot of trouble with. She goes to work, goes into labor, takes the schematic problem with her to the hospital. It's like, ah, fuck it, I'll work on it (laughs) while I'm, you know, in labor about to give birth. So she goes to the hospital, ends up solving the problem, calls her boss to let her know, uh, hey, so that schematic problem, I figured it out. Uh, talk to you later. About to go give birth. So, <laughs> Judith Love Cohen goes and gives birth. Well, she gives birth to a little baby boy. You would know that little baby boy as Jack Black. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Amazing shit. All right, so, yeah, one more, and then that'll... All right, so last one, and <laughs> in keeping with the recent tradition... Guess who this one's about? (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Obviously, we're going to wrap up this episode the same way we've been wrapping up the past, like, five or six episodes. Talking about one of the most legendary douchebags of all time, Steven Seagal. So, on top of Steven Seagal just being... So, on top of Steven Seagal being, you know, a horrible police officer. So, by this point... We have learned that Steven Seagal uh, lied about confronting the Yakuza, lied about uh, you know working under this the founder of Aikido. You know all these things that we found out that Steven Seagal is just a complete phony. Steven Seagal has been you know fabricating his life story to basically be a you know scam artist. Well, this story actually involves Steven Skull being an actual scam artist. So not just lying about his life and lying about, you know, the things he's done in his life, but actually tricking people criminally. <laughs> so yeah, here we go. So now we're getting to more recent times. In 2018, Steven Seagal started endorsing a company called Bitcoin to Gen. So this is some fucking, you know, which already Bitcoin is a massive scam. So it's only natural that Steven Seagal would get involved in Bitcoin. (laughs) I mean, this is fucking, you know, the peanut butter jelly. This is the peanut butter and jelly of criminal just scumbaggery. So Steven Seagal, uh, you know, gets involved with this company under... The title, so his title within this company is the Zen Master Brand Ambassador. (laughs) So Steven Zagal is going to be the brand ambassador for this company. 
and he is referred to as the Zen Master. Yeah, nothing says Zen like a dude who used to just beat the shit out of his wife. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's just a massive douchebag. Okay, so, obviously, right there, nothing too unbelievable, nothing too crazy. It's just Steven Seagal getting paid to endorse a company that, for some reason, wants, <laughs> wants Steven Seagal to be the face of their enterprise. Well, the problem with this Bitcoin 2 gen is that they are promising... They, along with Steven Seagal, are promising a 7,500% return for investors. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. 7,500% return. Boy, that is, um, yeah. That's a, that's a large promise. <laughs> that's a hell of a promise to make. Well, yeah, so... Needless to say, that doesn't happen. That the people investing in this Bitcoin 2 gen do not see a 7,500% uh, percent return. They actually don't really see much of a return at all. <laughs> so basically, Steven Seagal and this company have been tricking people into investing all this money and you know saying that, hey, we're going to make sure that you, that you as an investor are able to Set yourself up to where you will get other investors to invest in and you will easily make your 7,500% return because you're going to get other investors, they're going to get other investors, and so on and so forth. Well, if you have, you know, somewhat of a brain, you may be thinking, boy, that kind of sounds like a pyramid scheme. And uh, that's what a lot of people thought. Well, according to Steven Seagal, this is in no way a pyramid scheme. It's just investors getting other investors who are getting other investors. And the people, the investors at the top get a 7,500% return on that investment. But it is in no way a pyramid scheme. Well, the ad <laughs> for Bitcoin 2 Gen used an actual pyramid to explain how the company worked. <laughs> so not only... Was it an actual pyramid scheme? The company, Bitcoin 2 Gen, said, Oh yeah, by the way, this is what the company looks like. It looks like an actual pyramid. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this might be one of the only times where Steven Seagal's actually gotten, you know, in trouble for the bullshit that he has done. Uh, so Steven Seagal was part of a lawsuit was sued and was forced to pay $300,000 in penalties. So I guess one shining light is that Steven Seagal finally got punished for something that he did, uh, which, you know, if you haven't been paying attention and maybe there might be a few more down the road, who knows? I don't know if this is going to be the last one or not, but I do know that, um, I mean, it's a, Steven Seagal's the gift that keeps on giving. And it is nice to know that he finally got punished for something. Now, <laughs> granted, it only took about, uh, let's say, 35 years for his bullshit to catch up with him. And $300,000 doesn't seem like a whole lot. But when your movies are making, you know, $40 a year, uh, <laughs> I guess three hundred grand's is probably quite a bit. So, yeah, 
there's a story of Steven Seagal being an actual, you know, like actually going to court and being proven to be a piece of shit. So that's nice. All right. So that'll do it for this episode. Until next week. <laughs>